changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday, and that means I get to introduce you to someone fascinating from the Chicken Soup for the Soul family, and today that fascinating person is Jennifer Quasha, who is a good friend of mine and also a Chicken Soup for the Soul author. She has published 24 stories on a whole bunch of different topics in our books, and she's published more than 40 books in the trade and school and library markets, including co-authoring four books for us, two about dogs and two about cats. She graduated from BU's College of Communication with a BS in Communications, and I am so happy to welcome her today. So, Jen, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thanks, Amy. I'm so happy to be here talking to you. I couldn't believe it when I looked at the list and realized that you had written 24 stories for us because I feel like you never run out of great topics. But I went through them and I thought, what really makes sense for New Year's? And so there are three that I picked out that we should talk about today because I think they'll help people who maybe are already abandoning their first New Year's resolution. You know, it's mid-January, so it's time to come up with the actual (laughs) implementable one that, that is realistic. So the first one I wanted to talk about is one that I have to say to you. I tell people this story all the time the decaf coffee bar. That's so fun. I love that. It's it's really a great idea. So why don't you tell the story in your own words? Well, you know, I, I think we all have our default modes of behavior. Um, and after a meal, my body or brain often wants something sweet. And once that idea or that default message kicks in, if I don't appease it, it just keeps reminding me. And it's like I have this internal battle between sort of my inner coach and my inner critic. And so I have to sort of attend to it. And I have gone up and down in my weight over my, you know, life. And the thing that has helped me the most is having choice and having an answer to that craving or that sweet tooth that I have. And I solve it by using my decaf coffee bar, where I have a collection of different types of decaf coffee, whether they're vanilla or hazelnut or, and these days you can use like soy milk that's flavored or almond milk or regular decaf coffee. There's so many options and it's sort of, and you can use all sorts of different sweeteners too. And I feel like I can manage my sweet tooth and answer that um, message that I keep getting on repeat, on repeat, unless I do something about it, by mixing and matching different coffees, uh, different uh, sweets, uh, you know, uh, packets, and um, also milks. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And it makes total sense that while your kids are having dessert, you just go and make today's combination from your decaf coffee bar. And I actually implemented it for myself And I've been doing this for years now, ever since I read your story, although I do it with decaf tea. And so I have a whole box of decaf teas and some of them, you know, taste like caffeinated teas, like Earl Grey decaf. But I also have fun ones like peppermint and other, you know, naturally decaffeinated teas. And then I have Splenda and Truvia and I make different combinations. And sometimes when when my husband is having a little dessert at night, I will have a decaf tea. So thank you. I think 
tea, tea, tea drinkers have more variety and I've since become a little bit more of a tea drinker. Um, but before it was always this sort of milky, you know, something I needed something more than just peppermint tea, which I do like as well. So thank you, because this is one of those chicken soup for the soul stories that had a huge impact on me. And <laughs> it's it. something that I implemented years ago because of you. Now, you have another great resolution that you talked about in a story that we published in uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Find Your Happiness. And this is another thing that I've told a lot of people about. It's your, your story called The Happy Book. So, Aww. yeah, I think this could be a great resolution for people also. So why don't you talk about that story? Well, this is one of my favorite stories that I've ever written because the message is so simple and yet it has such profound consequences if you actually employ it. Um, it actually reminds me a little bit when I was in college and I was really tired of all my clothes and I couldn't afford to buy a new one. I decided to buy a wig and by putting on a wig, my entire look changed. So one small change, changing your hair color, totally affected my entire wardrobe. And the happy book is a little bit like that. The happy book is a small notebook that I have by the side of my bed that before, um, this was a long time ago I started this, before I went to bed, when my kids were young and I was so strung out all the time, I just would write down the one thing that I was really grateful for. Um, that day. And it could be very simple, like, you know, my husband came home on time, or, you know, there was no food thrown on the ground. And it started as very, very small things. But when you start counting your blessings and really focusing on things to be grateful for, even if they're small, it totally changes your mentality. So just beginning that small little process, I have now been able to, after, I don't know, 15 years, incorporate gratitude in my life in such a a deeper way and more meaningful way and throughout the day because it was something that I only used to focus on right before bed. And now when you make those little changes, you can actually incorporate them in almost any thought when, you know, even something bad happens, you can turn it into, you can look at it on the other side um, and look at it in a grateful way. And it just, it, it's just had a profound effect on who I am as a person, this little crazy happy book. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I did a lot of work on the power of gratitude with Deborah Norville because she's written books about gratitude and thankfulness and how much it affects your happiness. And one of the cool things about gratitude is probably half of us are naturally grateful. Like we just automatically go for that positive spin. Like I'm one of those people. You know, if I have to park at the far end of the mall parking lot, I just say, oh, good, I'll get that five minutes of exercise that I exactly. wish I had today. But half of us don't naturally go to that good place, you know? And the cool right. thing about gratitude is that you can actually train yourself to incorporate gratitude into your life and join the half of people for whom it comes naturally. I think it's absolutely essential to happiness. You cannot be happy if you are not counting your blessings and are mindful of all the good things in your life every day. So your story, again, I think is a, a, a very influential one and a really simple, implementable idea. Yeah, well, I definitely was one of those 50% who was not grateful. I felt like I had been given everything, but I still wasn't, I still wasn't feeling the deep gratitude. That, and then I felt I should have been feeling it, but I couldn't feel it. So it, it, was a, it was an amazing way to sort of transform to turn into that other 50% that you mentioned. So now here's another story that you wrote that I think is 
very relevant for New Year's because I think that for many of us, including me, uh, one of the constant New Year's resolutions is to get more organized because you might think I'm organized at work and I am, but you should see my (laughs) home office. You could carbon date some of those piles. They're so old. So every year I resolve to get more organized. And your story, which is called Uncorked, is about resolving to get more organized and then realizing that doing it the technological way with the cloud and Insta this and that was not going to work for you. So tell us about that story. Well, this is really funny. And um, I think basically, you know, because it's changed even since I've written this, right? I mean, you know, technology is is continuing to change and we continue to have to adapt. Um, And what I've realized is that feeling organized is only as good as your systems. And it depends what system works for you. So you have to figure out what works for you and then also what works for the people that you live and work with and then try to incorporate the systems to work together. So, you know, I have kids who are so facile on the computer and they just do everything. They don't have planners anymore. Their planners are on the computer and that's how they, that's their system that works for them because they were raised with iPhones in their hands practically. Um, and for me, I am old fashioned. I'm visual. I need to see it. It needs, I need to write it down. And when then it's up, I can, it's, it's like I implement it in a photograph um, in my head. And so um, in this story, it was my attempt to try to turn tech, technological along with the rest of what it appeared to be the rest of the world. And then having to sort of pull back and keep my visual way of doing things that felt comfortable for me and incorporating the two systems together. So I, um, that was the only thing that works for me. And then you have your husband or your partner or your children and, and how we all implement that together in our ever-changing. It's like four systems having to come to work together. But I think, I think looking at the systems is the only way <laughs> you can make it make it work for each of us. Your method was to go up to the attic and pull out this big old oversized cork bulletin board and bring it down and use those push pins and just put stuff up on that bulletin board, which is great if that's what works for your brain. It's true. It's a big cork board and I, there are four of us in my family, my husband, myself and my two kids, and I divided it into four sections and each person had their own section. And I had, you know, awards and I had lists what they had to do in the morning and I had, you know, homework and I had, you know, soccer schedules. And it was the only way I could manage just the the incoming and outgoing uh, movement in my home. I think we all have to go with what works for us. I still write my checks out by hand and people think I'm crazy, but I say to them, I can only really get a handle on my bills if I'm writing the checks. Otherwise, I don't pay any attention if it just happens automatically. So I have to write the checks so that I know what I'm paying for. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not magic money. I'll be the last person in America to use checks. Along with me. (laughs) (laughs) So those are some of the classic New Year's things, you know, the gratitude thing, you know, counting your blessings, the getting more organized, the strategies for avoiding eating all of those sweets. But now I know you have a new business which deals with things that are way bigger than New Year's resolutions. We're talking about big change. You've got a new professional coaching practice which focuses on women in transition. And I don't mean transition in labor when you're about to push. I mean, <laughs> I mean, transition in your life. Or transitioning genders. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the other kind of transition. That's right. So this is women 
who are staying women who are transitioning in their lives is as far as their careers or other major aspects of their lives. So tell us about this new coaching practice. Well, it's fabulous. I mean, I think this idea of coaching is one that's really growing, um, becoming a professional coach. Coaching is really not uh, being a therapist or a mentor um, or a consultant. It's someone who comes alongside someone who can really help them facilitate a change um, in an evidence-based way and be more sort of productive while that change is going on. So what I'm hoping to do is really help women who are sort of spinning their wheels at home. They have a, an obstacle that they want to overcome or a goal they want to get to and, or an issue they want to solve and just help them work through that in, with encouragement and um, support and in a way that really works for them and bring them through some insights that they might have in order to make that change the best it can be for them, at wherever they are in whatever transition. Without divulging any particular client's personal information, can you just give us a random example of the kind of transition you're talking about? Absolutely. For example, uh, a woman contacted me because her 10-year-old son had gone into the doctor and he kept on gaining weight. And the doctor was like, well, I think, you know, he's almost obese and you need to start getting him into a, you know, uh, a, a go to a doctor and, and figure out about, you know, his, his eating problems and, you know, the fact that he's obese. And she, she looked at this pediatrician and just said, you know, thought to herself, my other child isn't obese. You know, we have definitely food issues in our family from how my husband was brought up and how I was brought up, but I've got to get this under control without labeling my 10-year-old son obese. And so she came to me and we worked together um, to try to figure out a solution that worked for her and her entire family during what we know are very overscheduled times with our kids so that her son was not, you know, labeled obese and that she could get both her family under in, in some sort of plan and practice that she could implement that was good for the husband, for herself, and for both of her kids. And um, that was a really, you know, a huge help to her because she was at home spinning her wheels without the time to sort of focus on it. And when we focused on it together, we came up with a great plan that's still in play today, six months later. It makes sense to me that you would be good at that because so many of your Chicken Soup for the Soul stories are stories where you share how you use this same kind of coaching on yourself and implemented exactly. changes in your life, like the, the decaf coffee bar or the figuring out your organizational issues or figuring out for yourself that you needed to keep this happy book to change your mindset. So you've been practicing all of these things on yourself, and now you can share them with your clients. I, and I looked up your website. It looks great. And I want to let everybody know if they want to reach Jennifer to talk about this you can reach out to her at www.jotcoach.com or you can email her at jotcoach at gmail.com. So good luck with that. I look forward to hearing about that when we have lunch together, which we have to do really soon. Thank you. It's really exciting. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I really appreciate you joining us for this really important New Year's resolution time of year, because I think you're perfect for helping our listeners. I was so honored to be on, and I always love chatting with you, Amy. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to Jennifer Quasha and me on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. 
We're actually going to be talking about people going through transitions on Monday because I just happened to have scheduled a couple of stories from people who made resolutions to get new jobs that would actually make them happy from our book that's called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Reboot Your Life. So we'll be continuing in this same vein in our next episode. <laughs>